Hi, this is Pastor Curtis Crawford welcoming you to our podcast. At Revive Outreach Church, we're striving to revive an awareness of Christ in our communities through Christ-centered compassion, service, and evangelism. You can learn more about us online at www.reviveoc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash church. We hope that you enjoy this message, and God bless. I open up with your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. Go stand for the reading of God's word. We're going to start with uh, verse 21. Matthew chapter 20, uh, 15, starting with verse 21. When Jesus left there, he withdrew to the area of Tyre and said, And just then a Canaanite woman from the region came and kept crying out, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely tormented by a demon. Jesus did not say a word to her. His disciples approached him and urged him, send her away because she's crying out after us. He replied, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came up before him and said, Lord, help me. He answered, it isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. That Jesus replied to her, woman, your faith is great. Let it be done for you as you want. And from that moment, her daughter was healed. You may be seated. Uh, this probably will not be a long message um, this morning, but I do believe that God has laid this upon my heart and that uh, it is for someone uh, here today. You have a, a Gentile woman. Now, this woman uh, in the area that the Bible says that uh, Jesus had entered into, Sidon, and Tyre, they were known for being pagan, of evil people. In the Old Testament, the Old Testament prophets talked a great deal of, of how evil this uh, group of people were in this region was. And uh, she was a Gentile. She was not a Jew. Uh, and uh, she was approaching Jesus because she had a very specific problem, a problem that she could not resolve. You ever have a problem in your life that you cannot resolve on your own and you feel helpless and you feel hopeless and you feel desperate to uh, because nothing that you do, no doctors can do anything, uh, uh, no, no comforting words seem to help from your friends and your loved ones. You just feel absolutely helpless and hopeless and that's how this woman was. Her daughter was demon possessed and she was having seizures and she was, you know, acting out and she was uh, uh, doing all of these things that a demon possessed person does. We know if you read other parts of the Bible, I read the Bible through, you'll see some of the crazy things that demon possessed people did. They had one young man who would throw himself into the fire to try to burn himself. Uh, we saw the, the two men in the graveyard and they were would cut themselves with stones and, uh, you know, run around naked and bound them, you know, were bound kind of to this graveyard. That's where they lived and that's where they stayed. Uh, we see that demon possession caused all kinds of horrific things with the demons tormenting the person whom they had taken up residence in. And so this young uh, girl was uh, possessed and, and her mother saw all of these things happening in her child. The seizures and the, the acting out and there wasn't anything any doctor could do for her child. Nothing. She had no hope. She was helpless. No place to go. So she heard about a man. Word of mouth had spread even out into the land of the Gentiles. And she heard about a man who had set people free. Who had healed people similar to what her daughter was facing. 
who had made the lame to walk and the blind to see and the deaf to hear and the, and the mute to speak, who had caused limbs to regrow and to lengthen, who had healed leprosy, you know what I'm saying? She had heard about this God who could do something that doctors couldn't do, who could do something that counselors couldn't do, who could do something that the world could not do. And so she went to him. Now, as I was praying about this passage of scripture and talking it out with Kelly and, and really just trying to ask God to guide me, because this is one of the passages of scripture that has been very hard for me, because he does refer to her as a dog. And I have struggled with this passage a lot, because it doesn't sound very Christ-like to call anyone a dog. Right? And we know in the past that he, he healed Gentiles with no problem. Remember the centurion whose slave was sick and God healed him? We know that he healed Gentiles and never uh, responded to them the way that he responded to this woman. So what's different? Well, if you look at the way that she calls out to him, how does she call and cry out to him? She calls him son of David. Son of David is a messianic title for the Jews. To the Jews, he would be the son of David. But she was not a Jew, was she? She was a Gentile. So this was a woman who saw herself as an outsider seeking help from someone who she could not, she, she did not know. She did not have a, a relationship with him. She did not have any kind of bond with him through her heritage. She was what, for all intents and purposes, a complete outsider. And that's how she saw herself. The others that approached her, they didn't uh, approach Jesus many times. They didn't approach him like an outsider. They approached him as a savior. When she approached him, she approached him like she was an outsider. When she called him the Messiah of the Jews. She said, you are the Savior of the Jews, but she was not saying you're the Savior of me. She was saying, you are the Savior of the Jews, but you're not the Savior of me. That's essentially what she was saying. Now, Jesus was trying to get her from point A to point B. He already knew he was going to set her daughter free. Now, she had some level of faith for coming to him to begin with, even if it was a, faith, a desperation created faith. You know, sometimes when you're in the absolute bottom pit of desperation, you have a spark of faith. You see that, uh, that miracle cure, yeah. right? You see the thing that might regrow your balding head, and you go by it, even though you know that you've tried 50 million things and it hasn't worked, but you hope this time something will be different, right? You take the pill that'll make you lose weight, even though you've taken a hundred different ones and you're still fat as can be, right? Uh, you know what I'm saying? You, but you get to that point of desperation and what happens? It sparks a little bit of faith. This hearing of Christ and what he could do sparked a little bit of faith. And so it took that little bit of faith for her to journey to someone who was a Jew who was not related to her in any way. She was not related through heritage or anything, never met him before. She had just heard what he could do. And so when she approached, I'm sure when she approached, she called him son of David because she had heard everyone else praising him. So she was repeating what she heard others say. Again, an outsider calling upon Jesus. She made herself an outsider. Jesus did not make 
her an outsider. Again, you got to see where he was taking her from point A to point B. Little faith to great faith. Sometimes you and I consider ourselves to be outsiders when we approach Christ. I know that in my life and the things that I deal with that so many times that I can believe for you, but I can't believe for me. Right? I, when I preach, I believe what I preach, and I believe it for you. And unless you've been in a, a pastor's position, or it's hard for you to understand what that means. How is that possible? It, it, it's because I feel so unworthy. Right? So I can believe it for you, but I have trouble believing for me. I feel so many times like an outsider with that much faith when I call upon God. But see, we're not outsiders. We're his children. Yes. We belong to him. Right. And we can refer to him not as the Savior of the Jews. We can refer to him as my Savior. Amen. That's why Paul, why Paul said that we're adopted, we're his heirs, and that we can cry out to him, Abba, Father. We can call him Daddy. We're not outsiders. So when we approach Christ, we don't approach him uh, timidly. We don't approach him on pens and needles. My dad was a very uh, tough man, and uh, he would snap at, at any little thing. I remember as a child one time sitting at the table, and his table nose was running, and, and I, I, I asked to, for him to wipe his nose. And he cussed me for 45 minutes and verbally berated me in front of everybody, and that's just the kind of man he was. That's what he did. He was verbally abusive, not physically abusive. He was verbally abusive. He would call names and cursing. Uh, we used to joke that he could cuss you for an hour and never say the same word twice. I mean, he was total bad in that way. And so you will always walk on pens and needles because you never knew what was going to set him off. My little brother, or older brother, excuse me, patted him on the back one time to tell him goodbye. And my dad took that as a strike and he went off on my older brother, even though it was a harmless pat on the back. Uh, so you never knew what was going to set him off. Gagging in that, swallow a camel. Mm -hmm. Right? One time, I kicked my brother's jaw out of place, and my dad didn't even say a word. He popped it back in place and said, boys will be boys. But another time, I did a flip and landed on him, and no one got hurt, and I got a whooping. One of the two spankings he ever gave me in my life. He just, that's how he was. So you walk on pins and needles. I love them. I still love him, love him with all my heart, and I treasure the times when he wasn't like that. But you walked on pins and needles. Some of you know relationships in your life like that where you feel like you've got to tread so carefully as to not set off something. And so we translate that into God. And so we are timid in approaching God because of the example that we have here on earth, or what we're experiencing here on earth. But the author of Hebrews said, boldly approach the throne of grace. I don't have to tiptoe to God. I don't have to approach God with the head hung down. I don't have to crawl on my hands and feet or waddle on my belly like a worm. I can boldly approach him as my father. The devil wants nothing more than to convince God's children that they are lowly, useless, and that they're subhuman. That they are not deserving of his love. Now listen, what I mean by that is that you can, you know, he wants to convince us that we're so bad, we're so evil, we've done so many wrong things that God cannot love us is what I'm trying to say. And so we have to crawl before him 
Uh, but what God is saying is that you're not an outsider. You belong to me. You do not have to hang your head in shame. But you can call upon me as your father. Amen. Even when we run, the story of the prodigal son teaches us that even when you and I run from God, that he's waiting for us to return to him. He loves us, and we don't have to approach him as somebody else's Savior. We get to approach him as our Savior. Yes. And when you start really thinking about it, it should change the way that we interact with him. Subconsciously, so many times we approach him like he's saved everybody else, but he can't save me. Mm -hmm. I know I do. But God wants us to know that we're not outsiders. And he was going to show this girl, this woman, that she and her daughter were not outsiders. So when she comes to him and she's calling after him and the disciples over and over again, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. And he completely and utterly ignores her. Now, when did Jesus ignore anybody? Remember the blind beggars calling out and they told him to shut up? And it says, and Jesus stood still. He saw a funeral procession, had pity on the woman, stopped this funeral procession, raised her son from the dead. He saw lepers, reached out and touched them. Right? Mm -hmm. He had ten lepers. He went and healed those ten lepers. Only one came back to worship him. He knew only one of the ten was going to come back and worship him. He healed all ten anyways. This is the type of Savior we're talking about. It was against his personality right. to ignore calls for pain. Right? Mm -hmm. it, was, it was ignored. Uh, it was against what he stood for, everything that he did, even to a Gentile, because he healed Gentiles. Mm -hmm. And so, he, uh, she calls out, he ignores her. Finally, she goes into the inner place. And the Bible says she got to him close enough that she could kneel before him. And she does not call him son of David this time. She calls him Lord. See, now we're progressing. She's gone from the outside and she's got the disciples shouting her down. Probably the crowd is shouting her down. She's become so annoying that the disciples are saying, Jesus, can you make this woman go away? If you're not going to help her, can you send her away, please? She's driving us nuts. She's a distraction. You know, we got all these people around. She's aggravating us to death. And he just ignored. And they, they probably weren't prepared for that either. They'd never seen him just flat out ignore someone. She gets to him somehow. She kneels before him. She falls at his feet and she says, Lord, please listen to me. Jesus stops. And he said, it isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now I have to tell you something. I have struggled with that for a very long time. But again, you have to see what he's doing. He's taking her from the outside and bringing her to the inside. He's taking her from an outsider to bring her into a kingdom. From little faith to big faith. Now the word, the Greek word translated dogs there is not like a wild dog. 
It's not like a, a hyena, right? It's not like a wild wolf. It's not a wild animal. In fact, the Greek word translated dogs there actually means puppy or lap dog, right? It's your family pet. Now, you love your family pet, do you not? Um, I love my family pet. Never thought I'd love an animal the way that I've loved Odie and I love Bosco, right? I hurt if they get sick, if they get hurt. Sometimes I love them more than my kids, right? They don't talk back. He does what he's told. I tell him to sit. He sits. Well, most of the time, you know, like uh, you love your family pet and you don't mistreat your family. If you truly have a family pet, you don't mistreat that pet. You love it. It is a part of your family. A lap dog. Crawls up in your lap, lays his head in your lap. Odie has, or Bosco has a place. Uh, Kelly and I, if we sit down in the evening and watch TV together, uh, he likes to sit, she sits on the couch, and he likes to get up on the couch next to her and just lay next to her, just smack her with his tail or put his head next to her leg. That's his spot, just to be close to her. He loves her, and she loves him, right? That's one thing about dogs. They have unconditional love, by the way. Yeah. But anyway, in short memories, we need more people like dogs. But <laughs> unconditional love is short memories. But um, so he wasn't calling her a wild, mean street dog. He was actually referring to her like a loved house pet. Still not exactly what you would think as Jesus would call someone a house pet. But we're going somewhere. She now has to go from a little bit of faith because she's been shouted down by the disciples. She's been ignored by the Savior. When she does finally get his attention, she, he tells her that what he has is it for her. It's for the master's children, not for their house pets. Well, now, you and I would have stopped right there. You know, when Jesus is taking you on a progression to grow us, it's not easy. Right. And there are stumbling blocks. Right. Amen. There are roadblocks that you and I have a choice to stop or keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. There are challenges all along the way. We all have those challenges. And she faced the challenges from the disciple to the what appeared to be the apathetic behavior of Christ towards her problem, down to him shooting her down and calling her a house pet. But this woman's faith has started to grow as she's gone through each obstacle. She's gone from being ignored to having his attention. That's a step forward. Right. So her faith started to grow. See, she was walking away ignoring her. And then she got his attention and he stopped and responded. Her faith grew a little bit. There's a chance. Now he's listening to me. Right? When he responds to her and basically shoots her down, no, she had a choice to make. Do I ask again? Do I walk away? Do I hang my head down and cry? What do I do? We have a desperate mother who wants healing for her daughter, who finally has the man who can do it. She wasn't walking away no matter what roadblock got put in front of her. And if that meant humbling herself to the point that she had to say she was a house pet, she would do it. That's why she said even the dogs get the crumbs from the master's table. That's humility. You cannot have great faith until you are humble. Right. Humility is required before great faith. We like to skip the humility part. Wow. Without humility, we can't have great faith. 
She and humility said, even the pets get the crumbs. Now she's gone from little faith to great faith. She's hit every single obstacle that said stop and turn around. He's not interested. Even being shut down and called an animal, a dog, a pet. She overcomes. And when she says that, he looks at her and he says, Lady, what great faith you have. Let it be done as you want done. Let it be done what you want done. You have great faith. Now remember, it took a little bit of faith just to go. And it took more faith to keep chasing him. See, the more you and I chase God through pain and suffering, the greater our faith grows, but also the more humble we get. Mm -hmm. If you and I never humble ourselves, then we cannot have great faith. If you remember the centurion who came to Jesus and he said to him what? I believe, but help my unbelief. That's humility. Some of us never want to show weakness. Some of us would get so mad that Jesus said that we were a house pet, that we would just say, we're not interested, we're never talking to him again. Even if it meant giving up our miracle. What a, that translates to us today is, is that when he wants us to do something that we are so uh, 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 don't want to do, we're so rebellious and we're so angry and we're so resentful that we'll give up our miracle because we do not want to be humble. Wow. We cut our nose off despite our face. Right? So if you and I are in a position of needing God, if we're seeking him, but it seems like he's silent, which happens in our lives. Don't see it as apathy. See it as him trying to grow us. Growth is directly related to humility, and faith is directly related to humility. We have to be humble. And when you and I are humble like this woman, and we continue to press forward in humility, not anger, she didn't snap back at him and say, look, you've healed everybody else. Why don't you heal me or heal my daughter? She didn't yell. She didn't scream. She simply responded in humility. Just give me some crumbs. Now, a whole other message is, is that even the crumbs of Christ is enough to meet our needs, but we can talk about that one some other day. Mm, that's good. So today, let's stand. If you have found yourself in a position where you feel unworthy, that you're on the outside and you can't do anything to deserve or do anything that God would listen to you, I should say, or hear your cry, that you feel so beat down and guilty and ashamed uh, uh, for whatever reason um, that God is here to tell you that he's, he doesn't want you to be on the outside, that you're on the inside. He loves you, he cares about you, and that you can approach him and that he will listen. If you're facing trials, and it seems like that trial simply won't go away, the place to start is, are we humbling ourselves before God? Are we saying, thy will be done? That's humility. Thy will be done, 
not my will be done. Are we being humble? Are we allowing God to grow us? Or are we stuck in the adolescent phase, unable to move beyond adolescence to adulthood because of a, a, that God isn't behaving the way that we want him to behave? Because he's got a different plan, a different purpose than what we have for ourselves. That's the question we must ask ourselves this morning. Do serious introspection. God, do I need to humble myself? Father, increase my faith. Father, love me and help me to know that I am your child. If that's you this morning in any one of those categories, I'm not going to ask you to come forward under the circumstances. But I ask that you would just lift your hand so that I could pray for you. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you enjoyed it and were blessed by it. Each month we have people from all over the world who listen to the messages made available. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you consider making a donation of any amount to help support us as we continue to reach a loss for Christ? Donations can be made online at www.reviveoc.org or by check at Revive Outreach Church, 411 Chatham Heights Road, Suite 101, Fredericksburg, Virginia, 22405. Thank you for your prayers and your continued support. May God richly bless you.